It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. Cork's greatest And good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103, Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can email across the show, jp at c103.ie, or tweet us this morning at c103cork. Ahead on the show, we will be discussing very shortly about how Brian Cowan sacked as Agricultural Minister last night. More on that very shortly, but also on the show this morning, we're going to hear why Cork County Councillors want the hedge-cutting season shortened for road safety. Uh, mixed views on this, those who support the Wildlife Act and who say it should stay because of those, the wildlife such as birds etc that nest in those particular ditches, that they should be protected. But, on the other hand, people think road safety is far more important than the birds. What's your view discussing that on the show this morning? Also, we're going to hear the concerns of many bar owners. They're due to open next week, but many say they need to know, know what's happening because they need to get their staff ready, they need to get stock ready but there's no guidelines they're saying no one has issued them guidelines for the opening of the so-called wet bars they're the bars that don't serve food Uh, so where do they go from here many already here in Cork have said they're not going to reopen next Monday they're just not opening their doors they're not sure of the guidelines they're not risking their staff so they're remaining closed we're going to speak with Michael O'Donovan from Cork Vintners on that particular issue we're going to hear from a carer in North Cork who is looking for the carer's allowance to be changed because it's uh, not it's means tested and they want it not to be means tested they feel it's unfair and they're also worried and as many parents are uh, with children who only them themselves are looking after them if one or both of the parents did get COVID who would look after their child uh, they say they need a change when it comes to caring attitude in this country for carers and we'll speak uh, with that particular North Cork carer on the show this morning also we'd have guarding advice with Peter if there's something in the garden you want to ask Peter about again your questions into us. Peter will be along after 12.30 and that and more to come between now and 1 o'clock. Our lines are open 1850-333-103 text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 uh, but as you know by now Barry Cowan sacked as the Agricultural Minister by Antishak Michal Martin last night. Of course the, the move is all around uh, Mr Cowan's refusal to provide further public statements on his 2016 drink driving offence. Well our political correspondent Sean Defoe joins me on this this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. 
Now, Sean was there, but the line has gone, so Bernie might just... Uh, good morning. Oh, there, you're back. I can hear you now, Sean. Good morning to you. You can hear me there, okay? I can hear you loud and clear. <laughs> okay, perfect. Technical out of the way. Uh, <laughs> we'll start that first because there is a lot of issues, maybe not technical, when it comes to this government over the last number of weeks. And uh, this is all going back to something, Sean, we discussed with you basically, I think, about the start of, of all of this was two weeks ago when Michal Martin uh, was told about this and told about the Garda report. Initially, he was backing him and he's and many, even those who in opposition said he made a mistake, uh, let's move on, let's see what he can do in the role of agricultural minister. We had road safety uh, campaigners out looking for him to be sacked. But then there was, in the last few days, the Greens started asking questions. And then from the article in the Sunday Times on, uh, he's very clearly saying he didn't evade the Gardaí. But that article did come back uh, again on Sunday and it was mentioned on Monday and obviously enough, of course, yesterday. So what changed? How come Michal Martin backed him yesterday morning and yesterday evening he was gone? Yeah, there's an interesting kind of six hours there where we don't fully know what happened in the mind of Michal Martin or behind the scenes because, as you mentioned, yesterday morning uh, Michal Martin was given a copy of the Garda report into the 2016 incident by Barry Cowan. He, he provided that and had a read-through of it. Michal Martin came into the doll uh, and defended him. Uh, basically in the afternoon in around 2 o'clock and indeed the government actually voted down a motion from the opposition uh, that would have forced Barry Cowan to come into the door and to answer questions in, in relation to the offence and then by uh, 9 o'clock that evening he was uh, was sacked and what the Fianna Fáil side are saying on this is that Michal Martin wanted to give Barry Cowan uh, as much time as possible to, of his own volition decide to come and uh, address the door and to, to give further public statement on the issue that Michal Martin said there were issues raised in that particular guard a report, even though it was not uh, as necessarily portrayed in the media, and Barry Cowan obviously uh, strongly denies that there was any attempt by him to evade us, uh, evade the Guardi in twenty and is looking to have the Garda record corrected on that front. Um, so I, I think ultimately what it boils down to is the fact that uh, Michal Martin had been in the doll defending him, that other ministers, every time they were out or every time there was a press conference or a media interview on your show or others, were being asked about it and having to defend Barry Cowan, and yet he wasn't willing to come out uh, himself and give another statement and give his own side of the story, and that Michal Martin felt he couldn't ask uh, his Fine Gael and Green Party, let alone his Fianna Fáil colleagues, to continue to do that if Barry Cowan wasn't willing himself to make a statement. And Barry Cowan isn't happy. He did issue a statement late last night and he said he was surprised and disappointed with the decision and again stating that he did not evade that particular checkpoint on that night in question back in 2016. I mean, it seems those in coalition even and other ministers and TDs were unaware that he was going to be sacked last night. Yeah, and uh, there seems to be, you are certainly the, the briefings from uh, other TDs in, in, in the other parties are that they weren't looking for a head on this. But, uh, Leo Varadkar and Ian Ryan, though they were consulting with Michal Martin yesterday, were happy enough to follow his lead, though it more as, a, as an internal uh, Fianna Fáil matter to be dealt with, even though they did have some extra questions that they were looking for clarity on. They were looking for information rather than for necessarily a sacking. And indeed, of his own Fianna Fáil uh, colleagues yesterday, who I was talking to a couple of hours before, and Barry Cowan was actually sacked, were unaware and thought he would actually get through this and that it would all uh, move on. So it did come very quickly. Uh, Michal Martin obviously made the decision judging that this was going to be a cloud over his government for the next foreseeable future if he allowed it to continue on um, and making quite a Bruce's call in the end to, to dump Barry Cowan just 17 days after he was appointed. 
Yeah, and I mean, while there was pressure from road safety groups and indeed from others in society to sack Barry Cowan, do you think those pressures got to Micheál Martin in the end? Outside of, the, of, of his Doyle colleagues being asked constantly about this situation? Uh, well, he definitely heard them. I'm not sure that they made the ultimate decision. And indeed, there was some thinking in Fianna Fáil that this story would just go away after yesterday. Mary Lou Macdonald raising it very strongly in the Dáil obviously changed uh, the game a little bit. And whatever Michal Martin read in that Garda file, and we still don't know what was in the Garda file that Barry Cowan um, disputes. We, we don't know exactly what it says, so it, it, it's kind of difficult to comment on how much that uh, Im- impacted things. But I, I think, as I go back to the point, that ultimately uh, he, the Tisha could not ask his entire cabinet to go for bat, uh, to bat for Barry Cowan based on something that they had not and would not seen and something that the minister was unwilling to make in further public comment on uh, himself. And that position became untenable and would have dragged out and dominated every press conference, be it the one that's coming later tonight on phase four of the easing of lockdown restrictions, be it any other announcement or interview that the ministers have to do about the very serious businesses uh, that face the country this week and going into the next few weeks. Is Barry Cowan expected to make any further statements to than the one he made last night today? Uh, no, not at the, at the moment. It's expected that he, he did most of his thing in that statement. It was quite a strong one in which he said again that he thought that they uh, had serious questions over how his guide of file in the first place came to be in the possession of newspapers and journalists and came into the public domain and that that was uh, a breach of his rights as a citizen and one that he thinks that actually being removed from the role um, of minister possibly undermined the case that he is looking into now uh, that is now with the Data Protection Commissioner and GSOC and he was quite strong and not unapologetic uh, uh, in it other than saying that um, you know he was kind of sorry that this whole crisis came about and sorry that he had been left out as minister so we're not expecting to hear from him we are expecting that possibly um, before lunchtime there will be an appointment to replace him Dara Kaliri, the current chief whip is the favourite in Fianna Fáil circles to take that but other names like uh, Thomas Byrne and Rabbit Charlie McConnell who was their agriculture spokesman uh, in the opposition over the last few years have all been mentioned as well as, as possible so that'll be the next point of clarity before the cabinet meeting this evening And if it is for example Derek Cleary or somebody else that does uh, step up and get the role now of the agriculture minister appointed of course by Micheál Martin then there could be ripple changes for this because uh, you'll see changes with regards to junior ministers so let's say Derek Cleary would get the role maybe then the likes of Anne Rabbit or someone might become chief whip so there, there could be a change around uh, for, for those underneath as well wouldn't there? Yeah, there's going to have to be a mini reshuffle in the matter of, uh, of what happens in relation to this. And I would say that uh, some of the TDs, um, thinking of Michael Moynihan and um, and Willie O'Dea in particular, who came out so very strongly to criticise Michal Martin's decision, might regret actually doing that um, now that there is another job uh, going to begging. But it's going to be an interesting one because obviously there, all the talk in the first week was of who he left out. And now Michal Martin had the chance to address some of that, but is still going to put some noses out of joint, no doubt, no matter who he selects. So um, by the end, end of the day there will be a different uh, different look to things and a chance for Micheál Martin maybe to address some of the things that he, he didn't do two weeks ago. And address that geographical imbalance that many were talking about for, for the start of this particular government. It doesn't make Micheál now a tough leader in the Dáil. Many were saying he wasn't able to make the decision and actually sack Bar- uh, Barry Cowan when the whole thing came about. Is there a sense now that he's showing he is a tough leader and he can and will make tough and hard decisions regardless who he hurts? 
Yeah, I think I think it was an important. I think it's actually been an important few weeks for me, Hall Martin. But I think yesterday was an important decision. He has gained a reputation through the years as a little bit of a ditherer. That he takes a lot of time to make the big decisions. Quite often, will will make a good choice on them, um, but does take a lot of time. Is known for acting quickly, and of course, he's on this ticking time clock that no teacher has ever been on before, where he knows he's swapping with Leo Varadkar in two years' time without any sort of an election or anything. So he only has a very set amount of time to get his agenda done. I think that does feed into this. Perhaps if he had a five-year term, he might have tried to, to wait this crisis out. But knowing that this government has very limited time to address some of the big issues and for his own legacy to be left, uh, he probably felt every day wasted uh, or every day that there is distractions from the main business is a day wasted uh, and that he needs to get on with this. So I think it pro- probably has bolstered his reputation. No one can deny he's willing to make tough decisions when it comes to party. Um, and now he will have to move on and make some pretty tough decisions in, in the name of the country as well. So that's going to be where his focus will, will move to. OK, well, we'll wait and see who will be appointed the Agricultural Minister later today. Uh, for the moment, uh, Sean, I can hear the bells there ringing. I presume yeah, you're in Linster House this morning, are you? Uh, we're in the convention centre. Oh, they brought the bells to the Dublin Keys. So they have, uh, they've literally brought the exact same bells to the Keys, which <laughs> okay. is uh, a nice little touch, but isn't quite making the place as homely as many TVs would like it. All right, for the moment, uh, Sean, thanks for joining us this morning from the Convention Centre in Dublin. That is our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. And your comments are welcome. Uh, was that the right decision after all the talk over the last few weeks on if Barry Cowan should stay or be sacked and the mixed views? Everybody had mixed views on this. Uh, some saying that we've all made mistakes in the past, so give him a chance in his role. Others were saying, no, he made a mistake. It's For, for the job he's in, he needs to go now. And obviously there was a strong campaign from the road safety authorities and the road safety campaign groups on what they wanted him gone because obviously for the drink driving and what they campaigned for over the last number of years and a lot of those people would have lost loved ones to drink drivers. So your views on that, the correct move and does it show me Hall Martin now to be a strong leader? What's your view? 1850-333-103, lines open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On this, Antoinette is in Ahabola. Good morning to you, Antoinette. She says the reason Brian Cohen was sacked is when he takes up a ministerial position, he has to be guard vetted. He cannot take up a position as minister if he has a criminal record. It has nothing to do with having made a mistake in the past. He took up the position deceitfully. There is no vendetta against them. It's the law and he shouldn't have accepted that particular position, says Annette in Ahabolog. Uh, while a texter here is saying if Barry Cowan couldn't turn up for a driving test appointment, then would he turn up for an agricultural appointment or a meeting, says that particular texter. And Michael in Castletown Bear says 24 hours is now a long time in politics. Yesterday at three o'clock, Mihon Martin gave his full support to Barry Cowan his Minister for Agriculture, Bush, by nine o'clock last night, he was gone, sacked. Allegedly, Cowan's position became untenable after he refused to further address the further issues in relation to his drink-driving charges. Now, I cannot understand, says Michael, why Barry Cowan, a man that is quite familiar with political life, didn't have the decency to step down immediately when his story first broke. He should have known there and then 
that his position was no longer tenable, regardless of what statements he made. It would not wash. He was putting the whole government at risk of collapsing for his own personal pride and power. The soldiers of destiny will never change their colours and can never be trusted, says Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear to WhatsApp on 86 2103103. You can call 1850 333 103. What's your view? Uh, hi to a listener in McCroom who's wondering is South Dock back operating in McCroom again I'm not too sure we'll check that out for you and we'll see if South Dock is back in operation again in McCroom if someone knows let us know 1850 but on the way if you're travelling many roads across the county at the moment are you noticing that the hedgerows are out nearly onto the road or do you find it tough to actually see out at particular junctions well Cork County councillors and the majority are agreeing with this but they want the hedge cutting season shortened for road safety measures but what is your view there's mixed views on this because uh, a lot of those who support the wildlife act the wildlife act they want things to remain as they are uh, but many feel lives are more important than birds but what is your view 1850 333 103 we'll discuss that next Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now one Cork County Councillor is calling on the government to extend the hedge cutting season to improve road safety. Uh, Councillor Danny Collins joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Danny. I suppose, first of all, we had the season running from March to September and you want to bring it back to August, which will extend uh, the run for people to be able to cut hedges, bringing it back to August. Yes, um, we had our West Cork meeting there last Monday week and it was decided that we'd send in a motion to full council um, requesting that um, we write to the Minister of Media, Tourism and Arts, Culture and Sport and go out to Catherine um, Martin, that this will be brought forward to the 1st of August. And um, it was unanimously agreed last Monday uh, that we'd write to her and hopefully she'll listen and see some sense. Now, while the majority did agree, those from the Green Party weren't in full agreement with you on this. Uh, wh- what would you say to those who fully don't agree with what you and others are proposing? Yeah, well, I, I look, what's called, they have a, an issue with the nature and biodiversity, bio and um, plus, what you call it, like they're on about maybe birds and, and other um, um, nesting in, in the ditches. I'd be quite honest, I've never in my time ever seen birds nesting on the side of a road. And basically, look, the reason we're, we want our ditches cut, there isn't a week passes, John, that I don't get one, two, three phone calls about come the dice be cut here, come the dice be cut there. And like I know it's the landowners, um, it's for the landlord to cut them. But like I said, people look, we can't. I know that there is a, um, the, under the Heritage Act there is um, provisions for managed hedge cutting. But to go through this, it's very, very you know complicated. And it's like it has to be brought forward first of all. So we have a lot of people now that are out cycling, um, walking, and basically look a lot of dikes around our countryside, especially on. Um, secondary roads like there's, there's going to be someone killed to be quite honest 
Yeah, we, we're, I suppose, over the last few months, people are out walking more, cycling more, but motorists also have spoken out about the dangers of overgrown hedgerows with people walking and cycling more. Uh, the cars are moving further out onto the road to give everybody space. And then we have a situation at junctions where people can see what's coming uh, from the area ahead of them or look get a, to get a good look out at the road ahead of them because everything is overgrown. Yes, basically, what you know, we have a lot of camper vans now, especially on our roads. A lot of Irish camper vans are staying around um, Ireland and like, and these these are large vehicles on our roads, and basically, like they're staying out. I wouldn't blame them because, I, like, I spoke to a, a bus driver there about a year ago, and he told me the year prior to that it cost him eight thousand euros in merits alone for his buses that year. Eight thousand euros. Eight thousand euros in damage of, of mirrors. And what's and damaging? Like, is it briars or tree branches? Trees, trees, really, like you know, hidden off the, 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 the ditches and whatnot. And like even at our, our um, meeting last last Monday, there was um, farmers there, like who and, and who have um, trucks and things, and they were in the same top, same, same issue that they have mirrors being taken off, whatnot, and our ditches need to be cut back. And like. Um, I'm asking for it to be brought back, brought forward to the first of August, and like like this was agreed. This was the maddening thing about it. It was agreed in the last the last um, June, and then while the TDs are on summer break, um, the the Din Minister of um, the Heritage, Josie Josie Josephina Madigan, she decided with the stroke of a pen, put it off again um, till September. So like it was democratically voted in the doll, agreed that it would be brought forward to August, but she then afterwards on the in mid July when when the TDs and ministers were on on summer break, she wasn't. She decided she'd put it back to the first of September. Yeah, because it's not the first time we've spoken about this. So the call now is to get it back to August. You mentioned there about truck drivers. Uh, Jason uh, is a truck driver. He says he can, every few months, he says he can count how many mirrors he breaks. And when it gets so bad, and going back to the office where he works, sometimes he says he knows of other people in other companies where the driver has to actually pay damage because it gets to the stage where the owners of the trucks are saying we are sick of paying out uh, this and that. Drivers need to be more responsible and if drivers aren't responsible then they will come out of their wages. So Jason's saying that some companies now are still to ensure that mirrors aren't broken are pushing the the, uh, the blame you could say but also are pushing the allowance and the responsibility on the drivers which is a lot of pressure for the drivers if you're in a, a country road with briars and branches sticking out and you do break a mirror and also Paul on another point saying I drive a company car it is a logo on the side of it but when I'm on back roads or secondary roads because the ditches are not cut and the briars are sticking out they're scraping along the side of the car and they're scraping off the logo our bosses give out to us for this but that's the other reality of it so uh, there's two examples from people who do use the, the, the secondary roads uh, and Danny they're, they're frustrated by this uh, how about the other side of it though then uh, from a listener here Joan who's saying the argument that wildlife isn't living on our roadsides that's not right. Uh, they are, of course, living on our roadsides more so than ever now. Well, look, that's just my view. Look, and I've spoke to other people as well who who be out walking a lot, and they like it's very. I, I've yet to see a bird or, or anyone met this thing on the side of the road. Would you think? Like, would they do that? Would they like our animals are, are very um, clever creatures, and they wouldn't if they thought they could go inside a ditch where they, they, there'd be more peace for them. For their for their eggs, if they're for their nests and whatnot, 
like it would i be honest i think it's a bit ridiculous and it look it's it's, it's the safety of our people especially the people that are walking and and cycling and you know like we have to we have to see the safety first before any any um, safety for our birds and bees and things. would you say it's a human life over birds basically danny that's basically what i'm saying it's human life over birds and, and bees and whatnot and like i be honest look as we say, stated earlier, a lot more people are walking out at the moment and out cycling, especially this year after what's happened so far this year. And look, that's why I thought it's time to bring it forward to August this year. So as you mentioned, this was uh, due to be put into law last year, was discussed. It didn't happen for this particular amendment. What time frame, if this does go, go ahead now from the national government point of view, what's the time frame here? I mean, will it be next year before there's any change to these laws? Well, like we've written to the minister now, and we're hoping that something be done for this year. That's what, we're, we, that's what our motion is done in part. So, so you'll have to wait and see what, yeah. I suppose, with the Green Party in government as well. That's going that might hinder for you because your Green Party that's, council uh, colleagues I, I, d- d- I didn't support you on this. Yes, um, I, I'm when I realised who was the minister um, of the heritage and and I kind of said to myself, I'm say I'm beating. <laughs> against a hard wall I'll be quite honest so but look maybe she sees it different I do hope I do hope so and maybe with a pressure from our own colleagues that it would be brought forward Okay, Danny, we'll we'll wait and see what happens on that. For the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on that issue. That is Councillor Danny Collins. Do you agree with him on that? Uh, Do we need to look at life and human life over birds and look at road safety measures first and bring back uh, that particular season from September to August so that the roadside ditches can be cut? Or are you in favour of protecting the wildlife that live on those roadside ditches? Some say this morning that there is none uh, living there. Birds are, are cute and they're not going to be living on a noisy ditch. Uh, says Jeremy while Tim saying the mirrors on some of the newer buses are anything from 2,500 euros upwards that's a huge cost uh, says Tim on WhatsApp to 0862103103 while Declan says the McCroom Road to Bandon at the junction of the Bandon to Crossbury Road it's very hard to see out due to the overgrown hedges but I feel this does need to be looked at more so now than ever what is more important life is more important for humans or is the life of a bird more important who will be more likely to fly says uh, Declan a bird will be more likely to fly into a car and die anyway uh, where a human would not so human life is more important than the bird says Declan the birds are going to die anyhow uh, his view on that 0862103103 by text or whatsapp or call 1850 so what's your view uh, cut back the hedges or leave things as they are uh, your views are welcome 1850 but the pubs uh, the wet bars that is which are due to open next Monday a lot of confusion around this still no decision and still the bars some of them are now saying we are not opening with no guidelines we'll discuss that next C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 The full reopening of pubs needs to be addressed sooner rather than later that's according to the Vintners Neffet say it's too early still at this stage uh, to make any decision well Michael O'Donovan of the Cork Vintners joins me on this good morning to you Michael Good morning 
morning. How are you? I suppose the main reasons bars now want to know, Michael, is for stocks and indeed for staffing reasons because you're getting things organised this week. It's not as if next Monday or Tuesday you start planning. It's planning ahead. And many bars, I'm sure you're aware, Michael, in the Cork area already have said they're not going to open. Yes, look, I, I'm I'm in a situation myself. Um, look, my order time is today by one o'clock to get my delivery tomorrow. So um, if I don't place my orders by one o'clock today, um, I won't have stock in uh, for opening on Monday. Um, and it's a real concern for many publicans because, look, I suppose the um, media for the last few days, in particular yesterday from the Nefesh meeting, is really concerning because it's a gamble if we do place our orders and get the stock in um, will we be open to use that stock because we, we obviously will have to pay for that stock Yeah and with the stock you're paying for then if you feel because many bars are saying we're not getting the guidelines how do you deal with customers if they come into a bar and we don't have the guidelines so that's why people are slow to, to actually go out and get stock it's, because they don't know what indeed they'll be dealing with Exactly like we, we were promised the guidelines uh, two weeks ago then we were promised that um, last Thursday, then it was this Monday, and now here we are, uh, Wednesday morning, uh, coming up to 11 o'clock, and we still don't have the guidelines uh, for the proposed roadmap for us reopening next Monday. And it's very frustrating for for all of us publicans because a lot of us have done work on our bars, uh, be it painting or, you know, doing remedial work that we've been doing, but uh, our tables, our chairs, everything is stacked up at the moment or around the bar we don't know how to set up our bar we don't know what's going to be required um, in setting up the bar to meet the guidelines so it's very frustrating and I suppose the one thing is as you said there um, our staff you know um, they're all mainly on the COVID pandemic payments so if we bring them back uh, they have to do certification um, and get certs and we also have to train them in what needs to be done in, in the coming days so like it's um it's a real concern because if we take them off the, the, off the COVID payment and uh, uh, bring them back to work, we will be putting them on the wage subsidy scheme. But the big concern for many publicans is we have to pay them then and we claim back from uh, revenue a percentage of that wage. But we're adding debt to our business and um, like we'll have no income coming in um, potentially and like we just need clarity on this really in in the coming hours because it's really frustrating and we just don't know what to do with it i think at this stage the government are playing with people's lives and livelihoods yeah because the last thing you want michael is to go ahead take those people off the covid payments and you're planning for opening monday and then saturday or sunday nefit or somebody comes out from the government and says you can't open and then you have a situation whereby staff are off the payments you won't be making money you've done the best you can with the bar but now you have stock lying in the stock room and staff not getting paid yes and look uh, well look the staff will uh, will have to be paid um and, look, and that's put you, though, as you mentioned, in debt then? Yeah, it puts us and the business in debt, and that's a huge concern. And look, um, I suppose from a publican's viewpoint, we heard last night Neffet saying that uh, there's the concern about this uh, the virus and the R-rate rising among young people. Uh, look, you're well aware from the stories, I think, from West Cork and uh, indeed into Kerry for the last couple of days, the house parties. House parties are going to continue. They're in every parish, every town, every community across Ireland. We're all hearing the stories of them. Uh, if the pubs get the go-ahead to open on Monday, 
Uh, look, we in the pub industry, we're one of the most highly uh, regulated industries in this country and we are well used to dealing with the guidelines and if whatever guidelines we get, we will try and adhere to best that we can uh, with them. But uh, the, the young people would then come back to the bars, I'm fairly confident in saying, because there's a pent-up demand to get out and socialise and this would... Uh, um, the bar is the, the much, by, by far the most controlled environment for these young people to come out in um, and look, it would, I think, alleviate a lot of these problems of the house parties Yeah, and for bar staff and those, I know no guidelines have an issue but would it be a case that your bar staff would be all wearing masks? Obviously customers can't be because they're drinking but will bar staff be wearing masks or look, face shields? It, it's very hard to answer that at the moment because we don't have the guidelines um, Look, I suppose you've seen currently with hospitality um, some bars have uh, the face shields, some have the masks, but it's, it's optional to staff themselves if they want to wear it once it's available in the premises. Um, but that's for bars at, at the moment that are doing the food, that are acting as a restaurant. But we, as, as I reiterate, we don't have the guidelines uh, which we need imminently to, to see what's in them to get ourselves prepared for next Monday. And a lot of practical questions then, especially in rural areas, when we look at bars there where you might now, because the bars have closed over a number of years in various areas, you might have one bar serving maybe three or four communities. Their worry is that once they reopen, you'll have an influx of people who want to come to their bar and they'll find it hard because the bar for many areas can be the social outlet for miles. And, and that's something they're worried about then on restricting people into the bar and trying to social distance in a small venue. It, it is. Um, but look, I suppose... At present, there's at best 40% of the bars open and like our population hasn't gone down by 60% on, uh, at the moment. So like this is one of the points that we're trying to make to the government. If they open all the bars next Monday, it will spread the load across all the bars um, being open. Yes, the bars will be operating at a reduced capacity, but at least if they're all open, it gives them some chance to spread the load and um, get people out and look unfortunately a person might be able to get in um, on one night but they'll definitely get in on another night so look um, we, we, we'd obviously be asking the public for their cooperation on that but at least if all bars are open it will spread the load across the entire um, public and community in, in that and get communities back in socialising and getting them out again. And is it a worry then as a bar owner as something that we have seen in the GA community that if, let's say you are back to normal next week and everything is going well but f- for the likelihood of one of your staff may come into contact with someone who has COVID, that person then has to leave working in the bar. It could end up with the bar being closed again. Are bars taking measures for those type of realities? Yes, look, of of course, it's a concern. um, But um, I suppose, look, the evidence from the last two weeks from the bars that are open, that's all we can go on at the moment. We um, We haven't come across any issue of that in any licensed premises to date. So look, um, I suppose people are being urged to download the track and tracing app especially. Um, But look, we we, we haven't come across an instance of that, but bars are taking the precautions. People have to, like most premises, uh, have to have a a COVID officer and they check the staff each day. They have to, to sign in. So look, those questions are being asked of us on a daily basis. And thank God to know it, it, it has worked. And your own bar then, I mean, we've seen the food, the bar serving food. They've been busy over the last few weeks. I mean, your own bar is well known at the Castle Inn in the city centre. You're planning on reopening on next week, I presume, depending on what happens now with everything. 
uh, how is it working for you? I mean, your mum and dad will be well known across the city and county. And the last time we, we spoke, they were cocooning. Are they looking forward to meeting everybody again that, that comes into their bar? Absolutely. Look, our, our bar would be, uh, I suppose, a community hub. I suppose we'd get a lot of people from West Cork, North Cork would be, um, would would come in because it's, it's, it's essentially a country bar in the heart of the city. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And we'd get a lot of people coming in like that. Absolutely, we're looking for, look, we'd have a lot of regulars that we'd know over the years, a lot of people working in the city that stay in the city Monday to Friday. They come in uh, of an evening just to say hello and, you know, maybe have a drink. Sometimes they don't, but like just to have a chat and sit there. So uh, we're looking forward to meeting them all and look bar, as I said, is the most controlled environment for people to do this and get out and to socialise. It's not always, always about drinking in a bar. It's just getting out. And as you're well aware, many bars across the county um, do different things, but, uh, fundraising, you know, sports activities, uh, the, the darts, the cards. It's all about meeting people and socialising. And look, we're now four, just over four months since the majority of bars have been open. So I think uh, it's time that we kind of get back, I suppose, to living again. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, you do need to know, uh, as you mentioned, if your uh, stock date is today for, for purchasing stock and ordering stock, you need to know in the next few hours, really, uh, from the government on what will happen. So we'll wait and see if or not uh, bars will be allowed to reopen next week and uh, hopefully give you guidelines on what you need to do for the moment. Michael, thanks for joining us this morning on that. And we'll wait and see what happens over the course of the day. Thank Thank you. That's Michael O'Donovan there uh, from the Cork Vintners. Your views are welcome. 1850 333 103. Now, a lot of calls and texts in, especially regarding the issue of should we cut back uh, the hedgerows earlier in the year? So, uh, the law is from March to September where no one can touch the hedgerows along our roads. They want this brought back in Cork County Council, the councillors, that is, to August. Should we do that? I'll get through your calls very shortly. Uh, But what does this mean now for us here? Because you would have heard Barry on the news saying that Ireland and Apple have won an appeal against the European Commission's 13 billion euro tax ruling. The General Court of the European Union annulled a previous decision by the Commission that Ireland gave Apple a special tax deal and says the Commission did not prove its case to the required legal standards. Uh, The Department of Finance is welcoming the decision and the European uh, Commission is expected to appeal the ruling. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Of course, Apple, who employ a huge amount of people in Holly Hill here in, in Cork, in the north of the city. Uh, a lot of staff are obviously from all over uh, Europe, all over the world working there and all over Ireland but there's a huge amount of people from Cork working in that particular sector and that particular office in Hollyhill. Also a big knock-on effect then uh, from having that operation there to other areas of the city and indeed county as well so we'll see uh, what happens with that particular situation. Now let's go back to your calls and comments on the issue of the hedgerows and should we start cutting them back a lot of people are saying and agreeing with Councillor Danny Collins that we do need to look at this situation and do need to think of people's safety first before wildlife on this. Uh, Chris uh, in Fermoy says, Cork County Council would really want to get their act together regarding wildlife and biodiversity. The damselfly and the dragonflies have been on this planet for over 300 million years. That is 150 million years before dinosaurs and the special area of conservation surrounding the Blackwater River in Fermoy has lost its habitat of the damselfly and indeed the dragonfly and this is solely because of the demise of the Fermoy weir. So please tell this man that birds nesting on roadsides they leave the nest during the daylight and 
They go back and forth to feed their young. They will return at sunset, says Chris in Fermoy on text 0862103103. Mary is saying on the issue of hedge cutting, why do some farmers think they are above the law? I have a neighbour who has cut his hedge, not the grass verge, both the top and sides, about three weeks ago where his hedge is located. It's not a hazard to traffic and this is a regular occurrence in my locality, says Mary. While Declar- while Councillor Declan Hurley has been in touch, he says he welcomes the decision to write to the Minister in relation to bringing back the cutting of our verges to August. He says the Wildlife Act 2000, in his view, is flawed. It's not balanced or measured. Roadways in Cork are being reduced to a single carriage road. He said he also has concern with the spread of toxic weeds like Rathwork, uh, Ragworth and indeed uh, how verges have become consumed by this poisonous weed, which has gone to seed by the time the cutting season opens in September. And the spread of this is getting out of control. Nobody wants to harm wildlife, but we also need to keep our roads safe for our motorists, uh, says Declan Hurley, sending that in by text to 0862103103. And staying on that particular issue, on who is responsible? Well, the landowners are responsible for the cutting of the actual hedgerows. Uh, on text here, a person says most of the farmers don't cut the ditches when they are allowed as it would cost them money, says that particular texter. Well, another person on WhatsApp says the landowners are responsible under the Road Traffic Act in maintaining their trees and hedges. So why aren't the councillors pursuing the landowners rather than leaving it and raising it in the council chamber? Why? Because that would lose them votes, says this particular WhatsApper. Also, a person here is saying, please, please, hedges need to be cut more often. An elderly lady pulled out from a side road and hit my car because of an overgrown hedgerow. No injuries thankfully and we were very lucky and had a lucky escape while uh, the person here, not too sure where they're living but they're speaking about the Cork to Clarny Road, the N22 uh, they feel that that road needs to be cut back but she says everybody there and I was thinking about the bypass there's a lot of trees on that road that need maintaining and Councillor Danny Collins also mentioned about camper vans and tourists in the area who were having their camper vans uh, scratched because of the roads which are now and the ditches are growing out onto the roads with that. A person here says yes I have a camper van and yes our camper van is all scratched from the briars on the roads. Not a good look uh, for tourists especially as people stay cash. And a texter here is saying we do need just to cut the ditches for safety. The birds aren't stupid. They have a ditch on the inside. And I mentioned then about people walking and cycling on rural and secondary and country roads that are maybe unsafe at the moment because hedgerows have overgrown so much in the last number of months but Meg says city and town folk have to realise country roads are part of working farms so are unsafe for walking or cycling says Meg on text to 0862103103 and Mick is in the city and he says basically the government and councils are cutting us and saving money. No bird will build a nest on the roadside of a ditch. Birds are not stupid when they can build on ditches inside in fields. This is just a big scam to save money to spend ridiculously then on all their stupid works or to give themselves in the dull wage increases like we heard yesterday. Remember John Paul, we are living in poor old Ireland and it's run by an unnecessary overloaded bunch of, well, call them what you like, 
bird brains says Mick in the city on text 0862103103 while Brida in Mallow says we need to protect our wildlife full stop why does it have to be either or let it be for both for the goodness uh, for, or let it be both she says protect both of us protect both the birds and the human life for goodness sake uh, says Brida in Mallow and also uh, staying with this Gus uh, says and he feels on that particular issue that only no or over no circumstances should hedgerows or hedge cuttings be allowed to go ahead have people no cop on think of the wildlife we have very little wildlife left as it is uh, feels Gus so against that decision that the councillors have made in County Hall when Michael says if someone's car gets scratched from overgrown hedges who then is responsible and here's a story here from Mary who says there's a very dangerous bend on my way into Mill Street so I've rung the council who have done nothing so we've taken the law into our own hands, says Mary. We have cut the hedge on the bend ourselves. We have had our car damaged numerous times from the hedges. They should be made compulsory to cut these ditches. While James Imbrury making the point that a lot of our roads were only meant for horse-drawn traffic. The council needs to wake up now and upgrade the visibility on our roadways. And a farmer in West Cork says the forestry are drawing timber out of a road by where he lives, yet he can't cut the hedgerows before September or he will lose his single payments. But the forestry are allowed to cut back the hedges so their trucks can get out. So we have two different laws in this country. The hedgerows are definitely need to be cut back now. The roads around all of Cork are indeed very dangerous. Some of your calls and comments on that issue of cutting back the hedges and uh, reducing the particular season back to August to make the roads safer. Your views are welcome. Uh, the majority do seem to agree with cutting the hedgerows to make the road safer for walkers, for cyclists, for drivers. There is a few people though still who feel we need to protect the wildlife in this issue. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with the Greens now in government if that uh, particular Wildlife Act will be amended. On the issue of Barry Cowan and John, and this is of course uh, Barry Cowan who was sacked last night as Agricultural Minister and you'll be well aware of that particular story uh, that has been running for the last number of weeks on that. John says, I think this brings Michal Martin into a new light. There's no way Barry could go into that job with this. He obviously kept it from Michal and he, Michal that is, was right to let him go. While another texter here saying that the unelected already repeating, uh, like Maria Bailey's attempt of insurance fraud, these are the leaders we didn't vote for and need to demand the removal of them we had a lawyer in the doyle so what is wrong with people uh, what is wrong with you all demand that they all get out says that particular texter uh, while on Barry Cowan this uh, texter saying Barry Cowan's record should have been checked as he was being handed this big work position like any other job and it's now proven he has a criminal record so this is Michal Martin's mistake a massive mistake and a bad example to any other business or school says that particular uh, texter on Barry Cowan to text to 0862103103 and on the issue of the pubs Tom in Rathcormick is saying that nobody no pubs should open uh, nothing should open until they open the dance halls uh, feels Tom in Rathcormick well I mean a lot of the pubs even if they are allowed open the pubs some of them are not going to open and many have come out and have said that regarding of the laws they're not going to open they just feel it's, they haven't got enough guidance and it's not safe the same could be said for dance halls because they haven't been given a lot of guidance either like the pubs so even if dance halls were allowed to open which they're not as yet but if they were 
Uh, would they be making the same decision? Just because uh, the phases say you can open, a lot of businesses may not open and feel for themselves it's not safe. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And Frank in Kinsale on the COVID payments, uh, he's, he feels that a lot of people won't want to come off the particular COVID payments. He says a lot of people are getting paid more now than what they were when they were working. Frank says they are bracing themselves for the next round of the virus. And what are they going to do then for frontline? And workers, they are still on the same rate of pay as always while putting themselves in danger. The public, Frank says, have no respect for the frontline staff with their house parties and hanging around outside bars. Uh, Frank and Kinsale in the know when it comes to their front line on 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On the way, we are going to speak to a carer uh, who is looking for a change in the way the carer's allowance is looked at. Uh, we discussed that very shortly on the programme Bush amongst all uh, the issues with the Barry Cowan and the Hedgerows there is a survey out and it's looking to know what is your favourite TV moment the topping the list on this particular survey if you're a fan of Only Fools and Horses is the scene that tops the list of when Del Boy falls through an open bar that was voted as the greatest TV moment of all time Bush what is yours what do you think is the greatest TV moment of all time uh, also in there was Susan Boyle's audition for Britain's Got Talent. That came in second on the list. We were discussing this earlier uh, when I was speaking to Simon on The Breakfast Show on what's coming up in this particular programme. And a few people have got in contact and we were mentioning Pat Kinney tearing up the tickets for The Late Late Show. Uh, or on the Late Late Show he was tearing up the Toy Show tickets on the Late Late Show for someone actually from Cork who won those tickets but wasn't overly interested in winning them and he tore them up uh, one of the greatest Irish moments would you reckon on TV or what about the likes of Theresa Mannion's report from Salt Inn uh, Salt Inn at Galway where she basically was warning people to be careful and to stay indoors and not to be uh, driving in bad weather conditions there's a lot of weather related ones out there as well but what is yours let us know text 0862 103103. Uh, somebody here is texting about uh, hi, this is uh, Karen. At the time when Angus McGreenia was getting ready for the news, but he was on air and didn't know he was on air while he was touching up his makeup for TV. I found that hilarious. It's viral still on YouTube, says Karen on text. Uh, but we got a few people who are talking about this particular moment from a big drama back in the late 90s. Got a text from Maureen, also from Anna and Marie saying, well, this has to be the the biggest, but is it? David has no tickets. Oh, you do? Ooh, Miley has tickets. Tickets everywhere. I think everyone has tickets. I don't have tickets. Well, it got the whole country talking in the late 90s. Was that one of the big TV moments for Ireland? That, of course, was Myla and Fidelma, or Miley and Fidelma uh, wrestling in a hayshed in Glenrow without Biddy's knowledge. What is your favourite and best TV moments? Uh, will it, that one outbeat Only Fools and Horses? Well, let us know what you think is the best TV moment. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. And more of your calls and comments on various issues on the way as well across the show. C103 Jobs. On today's Job Spot, we have opportunities for a motor mechanic required for full-time position in Formoy. An experience in all makes of cars and vans is necessary. Contact 087-9299-655. Full-time evening shift workers are required for a commercial linen company in the Bantry area. Email your applications to beclean.linen.laundry at gmail.com. And a childminder is wanted for three children starting from mid-August in the Minders home 
home in the Fremont area. Your own transport is required for school runs. Contact 086-165-0824 and you'll find these jobs and more now online. Just go to c103.ie forward. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It's last job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now we have heard from Family Carers Ireland on how this year has been very tough for those caring for loved ones. Well, one person that knows that very well is Brenda O'Connell-Barry and she joins me and she's joined us before on the programme. Good morning to you, Brenda. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. Um, first of all, how are you all doing? I mean, I know yourself and your husband Trevor, your, your sole carers for your son Fionn, who we've met on the programme here in studio over the years and we've spoken to you as well. But just first of all, remind listeners about Fionn and how have been, things been for you over the last few months? Oh Lord Almighty, um, I don't know, is the show long enough for that now? <laughs> That's but, um Fionn is a miraculous little boy who, imagine, will be six on the 6th of August. Now, when he was born, we were told, um, well, first of all, we were told he was okay at the start, but then we were told when he was six months that he had an awful thing called infantile spasms and that we would be lucky if he saw two years of age. So I suppose the fight started then and we're fighting since and Fiona's fighting since and he's just the most determined and amazing little boy that you could ever meet in all your life. Um, He has visual impairment, he can't walk or talk, um, so he's fully dependent. He gets his liquids and his nutrition by a, a peg. And um, we're just actually lucky. We were told he would never be able to eat by the mouth again, but we've been doing a lot of fundraising for him and we saw we have money to get private physiotherapy for him and private therapies. So he's actually eating by the mouth, which is massive for us. He's able to eat spoon feeds, pureed spoon feeds. And um, he's just getting stronger and bigger by the new time and... 
he's he's a miracle a miracle every day so he is that's fantastic that he can can eat now the way you described there because I know that was always a concern at the very start when we spoke to you and like so many others people who are caring for loved ones or have people within disability services they feel they have been forgotten about especially that has been highlighted I think over the last four to five months and and one thing that has come out from this uh, Brendan I know you, you've mentioned this in the past as well but I think because of COVID-19 the one thing that would have worried you and others is if anything happens for example maybe if you uh, got COVID-19 or, or your husband the big worry for people in your situation was who would look after Fionn in your case in others who would look after the person they're caring for Yeah a massive concern and a concern I raised and got no answer to um, I asked the question um, what would happen, what would be put in place if anything and I was just told that um, well maybe Fionn would have to be admitted to hospital until, or I was, first of all, I was told that I'd have to physically care for him until I could do so no more, until basically I fell down. And then in that event, perhaps he might be admitted into hospital. But there was a big query around it. I got no straight answer, even though I asked several different people. And, you know, basically, so the fright of God is in me that I can't get it. Um, because there really is no plan for Fiona and obviously admitting him into hospital is not a solution at all sure that's the place where we've been fighting the last six years to keep him away from Yeah exactly and he's done so well with you guys over the last when you see a huge improvement with him you don't want things to go backwards no offence to any of the hospitals but they, they have only limited time as well to spend with people so you don't want him to go back on the progression he has made over the last number of, of years especially Exactly, yeah, exactly, 100%. No, the, the guys in the hospital are fantastic, but they can't offer the care to film that we give him here at home, the love and the care. And, you know, they wouldn't have, um, it's a special, they call it, when they go into hospital, a special is when there's a nurse one-on-one with a child or a person. And, like, that's something that they just can't offer. And Fionn, you know, even though he is good at eating his spoon feeds by the mouth, he can choke very easily on just as much as a little piece of spit in his mouth. And he can go blue and he can lose consciousness. And that can happen in, that can happen in two minutes while someone was gone out of the room. You know, he just, he needs to be monitored and watched 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's not the kind of care that would be offered in the hospital for him. It wouldn't be safe. He just wouldn't be safe there. And because of that care, I think the last few months have also raised the issue of the carer's allowance and how so many families like yourselves are mean tested when it comes to the carer's allowance. I mean, you and others, you're probably saving the state millions every year, if not more. Uh, but it, just explain, because I know there's there's different benefits out there. The carer's benefit, I believe, is not means tested, but the majority in your situation are, are receiving the carer's allowance. But this is means tested. And like you People are asking, can this be changed? Uh, Can people um, receive some form of financial support for all the work you do, especially the money you're saving the state? Yeah, we actually save the state 10 billion every year. Oh, that's a huge figure. Not even millions, yeah, 10 billion. Um, I actually get 66 euros a week for caring for Fionn, for everything that I do for Fionn, for every single thing that he needs, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's what I'm worth. In, in the eyes of the government, 66 euros. Like, I can't go out and look for a job because I have a child that needs 24-hour care. It just isn't possible for me in any circumstance 
to go out and be in the workforce, but I was in the workforce until I had Fionn. I worked hard. I was a play school manager. I worked with beautiful children and parents and families. And, like, I got the shock of my life when I was catapulted into this life of caring and the the things that carers go through and the fighting and advocating that we have to do on a daily basis, the pressure, the stress. Um, it's it's just there's there's no words I have no words that can accurately describe it but the feeling of being overlooked and unseen is continuous and ongoing and it just feels like we're worth nothing we we should have our own special payment and the means test it's it's an absolute joke because Fair enough, my husband is working and he does have a good wage, but there is no regard for our mortgage, for the huge loan that we had to take to build on an accessible extension. That's crippling us every week. There's no there's no regard taken to your outgoings, it's merely your ingoings. You know, it's just, it's not fair. And we deserve to be seen and recognised for the, the massive work that we do every day, nights and day. You know, it's not only the daytime, It's we have no support here at the weekend. We're very lucky to have a home care package during the week at the moment. But at the weekends, it's continuous day and night, day and night. And just to get 66 euros for that, I mean, I have no independence. I, I'd love to have my own few pounds to just to call my own. It's, 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 it's awful. It's devastating, actually. Because you're relying on Trevor's wage and many families in your situation, both would be out working because, as you mentioned, the mortgage there, they're very high, rates are high. I think we have one of the highest yeah. rates in Europe when it comes to mortgage repayments. And because of that, the majority of families out there, two of the parents will have to work because they, they'll say openly to us they have no choice. You know, if the wage is good or bad, they still have to work. Things are so expensive in this particular country. You cannot do that in your position. You're relying on Trevor, your husband's wage. I mean, do you feel like that you're being treated as more or less a second class citizen that you're oh, forced yeah. to rely on your spouse's wage? Oh, 100% we're second class citizens. I think I could speak for all the carers in Ireland there. We're, we're, we're constantly overlooked and unseen and disregarded. It's just continuous. I mean, we deserve a payment. We, you know, we deserve to be recognised for what we're doing. We're saving 10 billion a year. I mean, that's not a small amount we we just we deserve to be seen all we want is to be seen we want a little bit of support we don't want to have to be continuously begging for support begging for equipment fundraising for equipment oh you know we just don't want to have to do it and there's so many ways around things you know the equipment and everything for the little kids you know it's just so so sad that it's not provided for them fion has a life limiting condition and he's not Sadly, he's not going to be with us forever. And I just think that children like Fionn and that have life-limiting conditions, they should be minded. They're so, so precious and they should be given every little thing that they need for the short time that they're going to be with us. It just, it breaks my heart every day of the week, the begging, the pushing, the emails, the phone calls that mothers and families like ours have to do you know it's so much energy goes into minding the child and our loved one but then the last little drop of energy and strength that we have goes into fighting for things their basic human rights that we should just get and be able to have for them they're oh they're so precious they're beautiful beautiful children and they deserve so much more we deserve so much more for looking after them the way that we do and you shouldn't have to fight like the way you are 
uh, to get uh, what many people would say would be the norm for many. You shouldn't have to fight for that. It's, it is yeah. a bit ridiculous. Uh, and to think that this has come up before, and I know the uh, the various governments have come back and they've issued statements about the carers allowance. I think you made a good point, though, there, as they keep coming up with excuses on why this can happen. Is it time just for those in your circumstance, which there is so many across the country, to look at a new type of payment? So if they're not willing to change the carers allowance. Oh, definitely. Something has to change. Something has to change. I mean, what would happen if every family that had a complex medical child went down to their health centres and left their children down there and left... Not that we would ever in a million, hundred million years that we would ever do it, but if they could see those people in the offices that are ticking the boxes and drawing lines to our claims and whatnot, if they could see the care that goes into these kids and how much money that we are actually saving the state, they would see that, you know, it would be it would be a different matter entirely. We just we deserve our own fair payment for what we do and we work hard. Of course it does, yeah. And I have a a lady here, Diane, who's just texted in to say I can fully understand uh, what Brenda is going through and so many other carers. She made a very good point there on how her life was totally changed after Fionn was born. Uh, I was in a similar position with my son, who, like Fionn, is doing well, thankfully. uh, But I am young. I am in my early 30s. I would love to be out and about with my friends. Now, obviously, she goes prior prior COVID things have changed since but prior to the whole COVID situation and lockdown she would have loved to be out with her friends meeting up able to do different things but she like you is working 24-7 with her son to improve his life but she feels she has no life herself and sometimes she feel, feels guilty because she thinks that way is that something that would go through your head Brenda and many others I'm sure you get the guilt because you think that you would love to be doing something outside of, of your regular routine at the moment yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I mean, it's. I suppose people ask me the question about lockdown. You know, are you gone crazy since lockdown? And I say no. It's it's actually not. It's not the lockdown that's caused the problem for us. It's the being overlooked by everyone and unseen. I've had lockdown for six years. To be honest with you, Fionn, um, as you know, suffers from that desperate agitation. So he cries and cries and cries for days. He wasn't ever before the lockdown. Fionn wasn't a child that I could put into the car and go to the park or go anywhere. We've never done things like that with Fionn, really, to be honest, because we'd make plans to go somewhere and he'd be screaming the same day. So we just couldn't even get him into the car seat. So it's it's not the lockdown that is the big issue for me. It's just the continuousness of being overlooked and unseen. It's I, I suppose, yeah, and I would have the guilt, you know, because I'd often, I see, you know, social media, I'd see families and they're going here and they're going there and I'd say, oh God, I'd love to be able to do that now, I'd love to be able to just sit in and take off somewhere with Fiona and, you know, have a nice day, but it just doesn't happen and I do I do feel guilty all the time for that, she's right, there is an awful lot of guilt involved when you're caring for a, a complex medical child like that, it's, well, I know, you know. online, uh, you and uh, the carers, uh, Family Carers Ireland and others, uh, there is a petition there and many people are encouraging those to sign that particular petition uh, to get this particular allowance changed for carers uh, because anybody, no one knows what's going to happen in their life, Brenda, anybody could become a carer at any point. So that is online if people want to to look at that petition and sign it uh, because yeah. no one knows what the future yeah. is ahead for any exactly. of us. Exactly. That's such an important point and I always, I have Fionn's Facebook and Instagram, The Fight for Fionn and I'm always saying it 
please be, you know, compassionate towards carers and just think anyone can become a carer, any horrific accident can turn someone into a carer the slightest little thing and your life is just upside down life as you know it is gone and you're just there at home and you have someone that you have to be there for 24 hours a day seven days a week and there's nothing that you can do about it there's nobody there to reach out to well as such like we have great support from family carers ireland we had jack and jill when he was small you know, his school is wonderful when the school is open, the Holy Family School in Charleville, they're all amazing down there, you know, little blue heroes. There are there are supports there for us, but they're not the ones who should be supporting us, who we're saving ten billion a year, you see. These are people that are all out in their own right fundraising to run their charities to support the likes of us. It's, you know, the, the core support should be coming from the HSE and from the government. They should see us and recognise what we're doing and support us and help us, help us to mind our own mental health and our physical health and keep us as good as we can be to keep caring in the long term for these kids at home. They're not thinking of the bigger picture at all. Yeah, that's true. And the bigger picture was solved. Uh, as you mentioned there, it would save the state a lot of money uh, rather than what the way they're doing it now. Not you guys picking up the slack and they're saving money. But if they looked at it the other way around, it would also have an effect on them. Uh, Podrick on text is saying, thanks for speaking up for us, Brenda. I too have a special needs child governance and we are working twice as much and get a tiny wage for it. So hello to you, Podrick, and many others uh, wishing you well for the moment, Brenda. Thank you for raising this. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens over the next while uh, as the, the government, I'm sure, is looking uh, at various payments as the time goes on, especially after COVID. For the moment, uh, say hi to your husband, Trevor, and love to feel in for us as well. Thank you. Thanks Take care. For the Thanks, Brenda. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. Uh, the lovely Brenda O'Connell Barry there on what she does every day with her son Fionn and, and how allowances like the carer's allowance need to be looked at uh, rather than being means tested or, or why even a whole new allowance needs to be set up for people in that particular position. Uh, your views are welcome. She's getting a lot of support on text and WhatsApp 086 2103 Call 1850 103. On the way, uh, a lot of streetscaping going on across the city and county. You would have seen yesterday and heard on our news and seen on our social media what's planned for McCurtain Street and Corbrook Street and Leitrim Street in the city centre. Huge changes there, huge changes for traffic as well there, uh, which is used by so many people for uh, links uh, to into the city centre from North Cork to West Cork, all of that. Huge change there, uh, but also a huge change in county towns. And we're going to hear how one town will have more outdoor seating, making it more European. We'll hear about that next. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Many towns are noticing a difference when it comes to their town centres and moves are also being made now in Skibbereen. We'll hear more about these. I'm joined by Ruth Field from Fields of Skibbereen. Good morning to you, Ruth. Good morning, John Paul. Lovely to talk to you. And likewise, thanks for joining us. I suppose we've seen how the city centre is adopting with pedestrianised streets and we've seen Project Act from the council and what they're doing is making the town centre safer for many, but also they're looking now at how they can expand, especially for tourism and looking at outdoor eating areas in many towns. Tell us what the plan is for Skibbereen. Yeah, so John Paul, we're, we're delighted um, in Skibbereen to be back up and running and welcome all our visitors back to West Cork. Um, we've got an outdoor space now that the council have given us. I suppose a number of people worked very hard during the lockdown um, to help businesses and support them and get them back up and running. One of them would have been our local Chamber of Commerce. 
they worked very closely with Cork County Council and of course our tidy towns did fabulous work as well but the Cork County Council gave us a beautiful new main street over the last couple of months um, and in conjunction with that they also um, gave us outdoor space if we wished to have it so restaurants, bars, hotels um, can now put little outdoor seating areas outside their business which has been fantastic because I suppose all our capacity has reduced um, with social distancing and, and trying to keep everyone safe so all our restaurants and, and bars and stuff have smaller spaces to give people. So the outdoor space is fantastic, especially in the summer months. And the has street is furniture, is that already been installed in the public uh, places or is it due to be? So there's some um, street furniture in, 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 in the square. And then we're obviously putting out our own outside fields, coffee shop um, for our own customers. But the council put down beautiful tarmac and um, we put in some nice plants. We put in nice seating and uh, some umbrellas for our customers. And I think most businesses are probably doing their own uh, thing as well in, in that respect. Yeah, and I did see the pictures of the square and the, the new layout there in the tarmac and it does make a huge difference for the appearance of the town. And the big reason for this as well is many people are staycating. They want that, I suppose, European feel you would get elsewhere in other countries. They want that here in Ireland now and hopefully the weather uh, will hold out we'll somewhat hold o- over the few months. We can only yeah. depend on the weather. Uh, but Absolutely. Ruth, this will add to that because you will have people who are going to be visiting many areas. People want the social distance. They might feel safer outside than inside. And this hopefully will improve tourism for right across Cork County. Oh, absolutely. I think, John Paul, I think it's going to make a huge difference. We're seeing loads of people. Everyone is housing in Ireland this year, which is super. And it's lovely to see. It's great to have the support of, of tourists and, and local tourists coming out and um, getting into shops and supermarkets and restaurants and bars. And, and you really need that outdoor space. And I suppose, looking back, it would have been lovely to have it all along. But this has prompted us to kind of make a decision quickly and, and being supported by the Chamber, Cork County Council, people can eat outside, drink outside and um, and do that safely, which is, of course, at the heart of what everyone wants. Um, but I think Cork, Gabreen certainly has never been looked, has never looked better. Um, the main street looks fantastic and all the other streets are looking amazing as well. We great parking um, and the, and that's all been supported by the Tidytowns, the Chamber and the Cork County Council. And look, we're thrilled. We're delighted to have all the visitors who come every year and we're delighted to have the new visitors and, and I think Skibbereen is just thrilled to welcome all those people and the outdoor space will, will really only add to that. And I know other towns have uh, done similar. Some have tried to do similar. Some have had parking spaces removed, which has caused a lot of controversy and a lot of negativity in the town, I suppose, in Skibbereen. There is large car parks in the area. So have you have any had any of that in Skibbereen with parking being removed and people being upset? Or is it because you have the option of the large car parks? Does that just not happen I, there? I think, John Paul, we're very lucky. We've got big car parks. Um, a number of big car parks in town and there's plenty of places for people to park and I think people are just genuinely happy to be able to sit outdoors have a cup of coffee have a scone and look at the world go by and you know it's only a, it's only a handful of car parking spaces that are gone but look at what it brings to the town you know that feeling of as you said continental Europe like if the sun shines we'll, we'll definitely be um, it'll definitely make it all the better so fingers crossed the weather's going to play ball at us. And how is business now in Skibreen? I mean, as people get back out and about again, we heard from Kinsale yesterday as they were seeing a pickup. Have you got many tourists, many people staycating? I mean, are you noticing these American tourists that we keep hearing about uh, over you the know, last few weeks? I would say we've seen an awful lot of an increase, certainly like Kinsale, an increase in tourists. Uh, we haven't seen any, I haven't seen any Americans, particularly <laughs> everyone's watching us for Americans. But um, we have certainly seen a huge number of staycationers 
which is fantastic to see. I, I understand there isn't a bed to be had in West Cork from now to the end of August, which is fantastic news. Um, and we're thrilled with that. And so, look, we're, we're thrilled to welcome you. The day the town reopened in Skibreen, um, John Paul, I noticed a huge number of local people as well coming in to support the local businesses that have been closed for 12 or 14 weeks. Oh, we have to remember, these are all small, medium, and ent- small, medium enterprises that are nearly all family-owned people who couldn't trade yeah. in the last 12 or 14 weeks. We saw a huge number of people come in just to support them, just to shop with them that first day we returned. And I think that gave all the retailers and all the supermarkets and the, the coffee shops a big boost. And we've seen that support from our local people as well as tourists. And look, that's really important in a community like Skibbereen. We're extremely lucky. It we is. that support yeah. all the time. And look, we're thrilled to, to welcome back uh, all our holiday makers, but also all our, all our local um, customers as well. And all well, the staff has been amazing. I would say that in the town uh, and in our own supermarket, we traded obviously through the whole thing, and they couldn't have been more fantastic in helping people social distance. And um, and I would say there was a lot of volunteering in West Cork as well. The GA clubs, the football, all those people offered to take shopping to people who couldn't, and it was lovely to see. We're very lucky, John Paul. We live in a beautiful community in a beautiful part of Ireland. Well, you mentioned there not a bit to be got. I think you're right because every time I look at uh, Instagram or Facebook and my mates who in around Dublin or, or that area of the country or even Galway or, or Mayo, they all have all at one stage over the weekend visited the, the Cork area, and especially the Mizzen Peninsula uh, is yeah, getting yeah, a lot of attraction over the last number of weeks. Yeah, and yeah. just looking forward into the rest of the season, I mean, are events going to go ahead? Are going to be curtailed like the food festival and those? I mean, what's, what's the plan for this year? I think the Food Festival is very much hoping to um, to go ahead. It will obviously be scaled down version and it will be slightly different. Like everything, John Paul, we all have to get new, used to the new normal, as they say. Um, but I think a lot of festivals will try and go ahead and work within the rules um, and try and provide entertainment for people. Even last week and the week before in Skibbering, we had beautiful music um, on the main street and people sat down with new, new furniture, as we said, outdoor furniture. People were sitting down. Families were chatting and the music was playing and the sun was shining. And, you know, it's, it's about finding ways to get, you know, work within the rules and, and still try and keep it an interesting and exciting place for people to come to. So I very much hope that a lot of those festivals will go ahead, albeit like slightly differently, but that, that hopefully they'll go ahead in some shape or form. Very good. Well, Ruth, best of luck to you all there. It sounds like you're all very, very positive anyway about all these changes and hopefully things will go right for, for everybody in the tourism side of things over the next few months. Thanks for joining us, Ruth. Absolutely. Thanks so much, John Paul. We hope to see you in West Cork and Skibbereen. Yeah, I'll be home next week, so I'll see you then. I'll pop, I'll pop in then. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Ruth. That's Ruth Field there from Fields of Skibbereen on what they are doing there and making the most of outdoor seating in their particular town. Lines open 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. So a lot of people got in contact about their favourite TV show. We told you about a survey that was done and it says on this particular survey for this was across the UK and Ireland now in both countries but it's telling us anyhow that Only Fools and Horses that particular scene where Del Boy falls through an open bar that was voted the greatest TV moment of all time and we were asking what is yours? What do you think is the best TV moment? Well a lot of people uh, came back with various ones there was as I mentioned Pat Kinney tearing up the tickets for the toy show on the date late we had uh, Miley and Fidelma rolling in the hay behind Biddy's back in Glenrow in the late 90s that caused consternation across the country and then what about this from from Pat who says how about Mike Murphy and when Mike Murphy caught Gabe Byrne on candid camera that was very funny 
also uh, on text the Irish soccer team penalty shootout against Romania that's a great TV moment JP says that particular texter and also this person saying the best TV moment for me was when Pat Short did Ted and Dougal out with a or took Ted and Dougal out with a poo tank on the side of the road from Father Ted Father Ted getting a lot of mentions as well what was yours what's your best TV moment uh, of Irish TV over the last number of years let us know text 0862103103 good afternoon to you and just to let you know Patricia Messenger will be back here tomorrow on the show from 10am she was feeling unwell for the last week and a half or so she's back though tomorrow morning from 10am here uh, with the Cork Today show but your calls and comments are welcome for the next hour and Anne in Canturk was on to us earlier and this uh, was asking the question can you wear a visor instead of a face mask on public transport well just checking that out and for you with the uh, Transport Authority Transport for Ireland and I would say on what they have given us is basically no they're calling them face coverings and they're basically saying that the face covering must actually go around uh, physically go around and, and cover your nose and mouth and that area of your face so going on what they're giving us I would say no that it actually has to be a face face mask uh, or they're saying face coverings but uh, the easiest way to describe it is a face mask uh, that a face visor would not do uh, for boarding public transport so hopefully uh, that helps you there and in Canturk and also someone else in the McCroom area can someone check out the dumping of waste on the Rusheen Road from Baelic turnoff to the turnoff to the old dump site on the Rusheen Road near McCroom rubbish is dumped all along the river there well that's just awful that's a beautiful area of McCroom uh, in those particular areas as you drive out of McCroom but to think that someone has actually dumped rubbish in the area uh, would anybody have seen that rubbish this morning? Uh, a listener wants to know rubbish being dumped on that particular area along the river in McCroom. And uh, this is a texter who was texting with this particular dilemma. And I think this is a, a question for a doctor. We're hoping to have Dr. Nick Flynn on the show tomorrow. So I think we'll put this to him. But just putting this out there, uh, here it is. Uh, this person asking, I am taking my young family on a week's holiday to Killarney. Now, having cancelled a foreign trip, first of all, may I add, what I would like to know is, as with all the foreign visitors now in Killarney, and in tourist hotspots should we isolate from my elderly parents when we come back home I thought by holidaying in Ireland we would be fairly safe but it looks like we are going from the frying pan into the fire and we have lost interest in going now says that particular texter well on that and on the situation regarding Americans uh, the first call we got on that was two and a half weeks ago maybe three weeks ago at that stage we had quarters to air about two and a half weeks ago about that Uh, now over the last week we are getting less calls that the that we have American tourists in those various hotspots. Yes, there more than likely is a number of them around, but the the huge amount of them, I don't think there is from what we're hearing. Yes, there might have been three weeks ago and two weeks ago. I would only think that a lot of those have gone on elsewhere at this stage. Maybe we're wrong, but on the calls we're getting now, while there is still some tourists from abroad in the country, uh, the numbers don't appear to be as large as they were. 
I know other media picked up on the stories we had, uh, but our calls were from three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, and it has made the media since then in, in, in other locations. But uh, from what we're hearing, speaking to those in Kinsale, to those in Skibbereen uh, today and yesterday, they haven't heard uh, or, or seen any evidence of American tourists. Speaking to people in Killarney uh, last week and over the weekend, uh, there's a few American tourists around. Yes, there is, but overall, there's no large influx, so it's not as if you're going to be swarmed uh, by foreign tourists in that area. But that's not to say they are there. They, they possibly are, and from other countries also. Uh, but regarding you isolating from your elderly parents, I mean, uh, if you're spending more than 50 minutes or a long period of time in the same area, in the same room, with a lack of social distancing, that, that it, with someone from abroad who may have been in contact with someone with COVID, well, that is a worry for, for, for you, obviously enough. Uh, if you're passing someone on the street uh, with social distancing uh, and, you know, they're not, they're not right on top of you, you're, or they're not coughing at you or, or, or sneezing on you or anything like that, uh, you should be okay but then I'm not a medic so what I'll do is we will um, pass it on to Dr Nick he's joining us tomorrow just to be sure on that one uh, but on American visitors I mean let us know if, if you have noticed uh, yes certainly three weeks ago two and a half weeks ago we were getting a lot of calls from people uh, regarding that but just in the last number of days from the evidence we are getting and we can only go on what people are telling us that's all we have uh, that there doesn't seem to be the large amount that was reported two and a half weeks ago to three weeks ago to us uh, so I presume those tourists have gone elsewhere but saying that uh, there may be tourists from elsewhere still in this particular country outside of America uh, I, I'm not too sure let us know what you have seen 1850 but on the issue of isolation we will ask Dr Nick for you tomorrow he is due to join us on the show uh, tomorrow morning. On the issue of hedgerows though and uh, overgrown hedgerows making roads unsafe to drive on uh, WhatsApp here is saying the hedges and the ditches, yes of course they need to be cut back as they are a danger and they do cause accidents and they are putting lives at risk. No birds make nests in September. The birds are quite safe by then. The council should get cracking and cut these hedges from August onwards. While Margaret is saying it's the big machines that are scaring the wildlife we should go back to people hand cutting the hedges again feels Margaret and Anne uh, says when the, on the hedge cutting when Fina Gale brought in the local property tax this was meant to cover hedge cutting and everything else yet she feels another lie from RTDs the council were well able to cut two miles of a secondary road hedges for resurfacing a few weeks ago during the off season and if a farmer did the same he will be treated like a criminal says Anne who's living in the West Cork area on text to 0862103103 and on the ditches uh, this texture is saying yes they should be cut in April and again cut in August Uh, so a lot of people agreeing that something does need to happen with regards to overgrown ditches for the safety of everybody on the roads and indeed the safety of human life but a McCroom listener here says regarding the hedge cutting I do a lot of cycling and I can guarantee that there is a lot of nesting birds in the hedges because I have a keen interest in nature and I would take notice of that so for me I would say leave it as it is says a listener in McCroom on 086 2103103. Your views are welcome on that. 1850 I'm mentioning and discussing the bars earlier and how uh, vintners are, are just confused on what will happen with the bars. I mean, I know I heard there uh, on the news with Barry 
at 12 that the Tónista uh, leave record he has come out over the last hour or so and he has said that at this stage uh, an announcement will be made later this evening with guidance but it looks like at this stage the bars will be getting the go ahead to open next Monday or Tuesday uh, but on that Finbar is asking okay if you're saying it's okay not to open any of the bars at the moment because they don't have any guidance and these are the pubs not serving food why then is it okay for pubs serving food uh, to open or hairdressers or shops uh, asked Finbar well some might say they got guidance on what to do when they were opening a lot of the uh, smaller bars who were not serving food and may not a lot of them may not be able uh, to carry out social distancing depending where they are they want to know what guidance they need with respect to to those type of bars uh, but I can see Finbar's point I mean what, why are we saying we can't open these bars now when we can open everything else around it asked Finbar by text to 0862103103 but on that a lot of the bars even if they are allowed to open I know a lot of cop bars have come out I mean the bars in Clonakilty well known they put up a statement last night on their own Facebook page uh, saying they were were not going to open a lot of this due to the lack of guidelines around uh, what they are meant to be doing uh, so they're one popular bar that uh, have openly said they won't be reopening straight away other bars are saying the, are saying the same thing so even though if they are allowed to reopen a lot of bars are saying uh, that they won't open until they get proper guidance and know how things will work out and a lot of people thinking of their communities and staff as well. Uh, that's the issue on the bars. And we spoke uh, earlier with Brenda, of course, Brenda O'Connell Barry, who was caring for her son, Fionn. She was uh, highlighting the plight of carers at the moment and also highlighting the plight when it comes to finances and how uh, the carers allowance for the likes of her should not be means tested and only for her husband working. Uh, they're relying on one wage and only a very small uh, subsidy, you could call it really, from the carers allowance. It's a, it's a really small amount of money she's getting and people in her position uh, have said they are relying on just the husband or the spouses or the partner's wage to keep living. But uh, the majority of families who are in a situation where they are not caring for their child, uh, they would openly say they need two people to go out working because it takes two wages to pay the bills, the mortgage and everything else as everything is increasing cost-wise in this country. Well, on that, uh, this text is saying that poor woman and so many like her, they're another group in this country uncared for by the former caretaker government. Make a call and ask, did the government get a raise during the COVID lockdown? And why didn't the carers all over the country get that instead as they worked and are working hard? TDs did virtually nothing, says that text pay our health teachers carers guards first not TDs uh, and also on this a texter here saying pay that poor woman and all like her plus the essential staff with that money out of Apple and all the billions that are getting why aren't we using that oh wait the government won't as they spent millions on legal fees to give it back and are doing just that our tax money our tax money says this texter why do they think they can keep the public service funds and another texter here is saying just listening to Brenda on your show this morning as a mam to a special needs son I know what she is going through you have to fight for everything even when you're totally drained she spoke from her heart we do save the state billions and our worry is what will happen to our loved ones when we're gone we can't and don't plan anything our health system and our disability sector would want to wake up and do something because then 
if we can't do it who can says that particular texter to WhatsApp 0862103103 while Anne says listening to Brenda I feel so sorry for her it's a disgrace that the government won't help them it's like they're ignoring them says Anne also on text to 0862103103 or indeed you can call Bernie or Sadie 1850 and you can email as well jp at c103.ie and keep your questions coming for Peter Doddall Peter is along answering all of your gardening questions uh, from around 12.30 onwards. If you have a particular question for Peter, uh, get it into us. You can do that now on 1850-333-103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And Castle Magna Community in support of Cork Penny Dinners. They're organising a collection of non-perishable goods, baking and more in the Castle Magna GAA Grounds dressing rooms. And that's from 10am to 1pm on next Sunday the 19th and delivery on the same day. So all organisations in the parish are encouraged to contribute. Cast donations are also welcome. Receipts will be issued, but no contribution too big or too small. Uh, Your support will be greatly appreciated there for the gang in the Castle Magnet Community Area. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 and you may have remembered last week we had on the show Amy who is Ellie's mother and Ellie was born with cerebral palsy and which mainly affects her legs. Now Ellie uh, cannot stand or walk independently and she relies on her stand or she calls it her magic carriage, her walker uh, to let her walk some limited distances but uh, as Amy spoke to us uh, they had set up a, a GoFundMe page at that particular stage uh, but this morning uh, obviously uh, people are still remembering uh, Ellie in their thoughts and we got a postal order this morning uh, for Ellie's dream to dance so we are going to pass it on to Ellie in Carrigaline but just to say to that particular person who posted in the postal order for Ellie we have received it uh, you've no name or anything on it we don't know who sent it in to us but we, we have received it this morning and we will pass on that to Amy and indeed to Ellie there in Carrigaline but thank you for that now on the issue of Americans in Killarney that uh, earlier texter was asking they are going to Killarney they're wondering are Americans still there and I was making the point that we haven't got calls for the last few weeks I mean we were getting these calls just uh, as lockdown as, as Ireland was coming out of lockdown and that was three maybe even four weeks ago at this stage or more and then it was being picked up by other media uh, but initially the calls we got were three or four weeks ago and people going now uh, to those areas are wondering do they need to self-isolate from their elderly parents just in case. Well on that Mary says and Mary's in Killarney yes uh, there is a lot of Americans here but a lot of them are living in Killarney. They now moved here and they live here. I was there twice lately in the town uh, over the last few days now I didn't see any coaches and I didn't hear any American accents near me. All only Irish not like before Covid or over a few weeks ago where everyone seemed to be American. So give Killarney a break everybody should mind themselves and follow the guidelines says Mary. So there's first-hand information there. Not too many, according to Mary. You're known and no coaches or anything there, uh, says Mary. So that might help you, that texter who's wondering about their holiday and self-isolation after it from their parents. And Mary's saying, from what she can see and hear, uh, there's none 
uh, so far in Killarney apart from people who actually have moved to the area and also staying with this particular situation the texts are here wondering about your views uh, do you think it's safe for people to go to car boot sales there was one last Sunday busy enough uh, but you're handling a lot of stuff there and people uh, previously owned and people picking up things and putting things down what are people's views please on that well I know the likes of markets and that type of thing are allowed to go ahead I know we keep getting uh, calls and texts in from people who are saying there is no social distance in particular markets across Cork Bush. Uh, those markets have got to go ahead uh, to reopen with social distancing. How you enforce that then uh, is anybody's know at this stage when it comes to social distancing in a particular event but uh, different for bars and stuff I mean you know that they're supposed to implement it but if you're in an outside area basically and you run a, a market and if you have people who feel it's not being run in a way of social distancing how do you actually control that uh, but regarding car boot sales uh, I mean would it go back to what Mary said there in Killarney when she is saying that everyone should mind themselves and follow the guidelines and also Sheila here when people are asking about going on holiday surely it's up to people to have their own uh, social responsibility Uh, Sheila says people need to make up their own minds if something is safe or not to go to and if you feel it's it's not safe then don't go no point asking for help and people giving you their advice when you might not agree and still feel it's unsafe to go to a certain location says Sheila so a lot of this is down to your own responsibility uh, and what you think is safe or not regarding car boot sales again if things are sanitised down and everything is done properly things should be okay but if you are worried I would say don't go. If you have any, uh, anything that you feel you're, you're worried about going to something, well then just don't go uh, and, and stay away. Because again, as, as Sheila made a good point, it's up to oneself. It's up to your responsibility and your safety. Uh, but people's views are welcome on car boot sales. Uh, while uh, help here from Margaret in Tallow, uh, she is asking uh, how can or how can anybody give advice to her on getting rid of small flies she has very small flies uh, in her rooms in her house I'm not too sure how they appeared but they are there maybe they're like fruit flies uh, th- that kind of way but small flies has anybody else noticed this over the last number of days and how can Margaret in Tallow get rid of those fruit flies in her home let us know 1850 now uh, we spoke earlier as well about favourite TV shows and a survey and more of your calls and comments coming in in on favourite TV shows we've heard the likes of uh, the man falling on the ice on the news Teresa Mannion's famous report from Salt Hill during the bad weather we've had Susan Ball's audition on Britain's Got Talent we've also uh, the biggest one seemingly across the UK and Ireland is Del Boy falling through an open bar that was voted the greatest moment of all time on TV uh, from Only Fools and Horses we've also got calls this morning regarding Fidelma and Miley in the hay shed behind Billy's back from Glenrow all those years ago and here's more Connor says uh, hi guys one of my favourite moments from TV has to be the Pope visiting Ireland a few years ago uh, his presence was amazing wonderful to see the closest person on earth to God says Connor on text while Thomas in Bandon says my favourite TV moment was when the late Brendan Grace in Father Ted was playing music at three o'clock in the morning and Mrs Dahl was asking him for a cup of tea via a poster says Thomas in Bandon thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 now uh, something else that is uh, making headlines today 
and your views to be welcome on this because uh, some people are not happy. Uh, this is on the proposals to increase the age of which people qualify for the state pension. And this has been backed by the state budget watchdog. The Irish Fiscal Advisory Council have suggested that the age to qualify for the state contributory pension this should be increased to 69 by 2035. So not a bit to go, but for a lot of us working, uh, you'd be wondering, will we ever stop work at this stage if the uh, pension age uh, keeps increasing? Uh, they say that the population is young by European standards at the moment, uh, but here in Ireland we are ageing rapidly. Also, with rising healthcare costs also uh, going ahead, it means we need to take and look at these measures now to deal with the increasing cost of an older population later in time. So, would you agree with the Fiscal Advisory Council looking now for the state contributory pension to increase to the age of 69 by 2035. Of course, uh, the government now and was one of the uh, controversial plans when this particular government were trying to form uh, about increasing the state pension. That has stayed the same, but according to this report, uh, they are looking at rising that age to 69 and that would happen slowly over the next 15 years. Are you worried about that? Do you care about that? Are you worried maybe for your son or daughter? Or maybe you are at that age where you're looking ahead now to uh, retirements and you're thinking ahead by way of pensions. A lot of workplaces talking about pensions at the moment and you're wondering and you're asking, oh God, Will I have to work until I'm 69 before I get the actual state pension? And will it go over that eventually? I would have to wait and see. But anyhow, that's the latest talk there when it comes to the state pension from the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Those numbers now for your gardening questions because Peter O'Doddall joins us next. And we were speaking earlier regarding Killarney. Now, a lot of people are saying, what's the obsession with Killarney? Because there's more tourist destinations to go to than Killarney. But anyhow, Margaret uh, in the city was on to us. She was in Muckras Park recently. Uh, She felt it was very busy there. That's the only thing for uh, that particular woman who was going on holidays there and was asking earlier on. She said it was uh, very hard to social distance, let's say, in and around Talk Waterfall for all the crowds. And there was a mix, though, she said, of Irish and tourists, but she felt there was too many around. But then, as others are saying, there are more locations to go to if you feel you're not safe in a certain area. I think Sheila made a good point. If you don't think you're safe and you are unsure and you just don't feel uh, that it's responsible enough to go to an area, then don't go and that's all we can offer anyhow hopefully tomorrow we will have Dr Nick Flynn and he'll offer more advice for those who are thinking of holidaying and are are worried uh, in staycating here in Ireland although Fall to Ireland were on with us during the weekend I mean the hotels and the B&Bs they have done what they can they deep clean rooms and everything after a stay so uh, certainly uh, when it comes to health and safety where you're going to be staying and eating uh, will be okay but I I can see people's point of view they're worried about being out and about and again a lot of that as Sheila made a good point down to your own uh, responsibility and if you feel safe or not anyhow thank you for your calls Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon Kinsale and Enniskeen for top quality plants Advice and value. Think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. And we're joined by the Irish gardener. Gardener to the stars, Mr. Peter Doddle. How are you, Peter? Good afternoon, John Paul. I'm very well. How are you? I'm fine altogether, thanks. Now, uh, now I sent you uh, some emails and indeed some WhatsApps over the last week or so because we did get a lot of people onto us sending us pictures as well, which we always welcome there. Uh, I don't know if you picked those up or not. 
You did, and, and I did, but I'm excellent. trying to remember them. Yeah. Very good. Well, we'll, we'll start off so with one, and this is the, the one we, we got in pictures of this particular plant. Now, uh, there are bulbs this person has sat, and they yes. she sat them last May. Now, they came on beautifully, uh, but in the last uh, week or so, the leaves have started to go brown. Now, here in the picture, they're in a raised bed, and she also has a tuber in with them as well. Now, that seems to be growing okay uh, but something seems to be eating the leaves on that now she has uh, sent on those pictures Peter from what she has described there what are the issues I, no I saw them I did I saw them this morning actually and uh, it, it, I love when I get pictures like that because it's, it, it's a very definite answer and the, it's the same problem on both it's slugs it's quite simply slugs and snails uh, the first picture was of gladiola bulbs and uh, it's that telltale sign where they're kind of eating it up through the middle and the other was of dahlia tubers and they're eating the leaves from the outside in so it's stokes, stokes and snails I'm afraid is a problem with both so uh, lots and lots of ways to deal with stokes and snails uh, on my own page the Irish Gardener on Facebook I have a couple of videos up of, of environmentally sound and organic ways to deal with stokes and snails so you have barrier products and then you have killers but just whichever one you go for please do be careful please don't do one thing uh, and that is used stuck pellets containing methaldehyde. Unfortunately, John Paul, methaldehyde pellets are still widely available in Ireland across the counter in supermarkets and garden centres. They shouldn't be. Methaldehyde is a is a highly toxic substance. It's banned in, in many countries, banned in Europe, uh, sorry, in, in England. In some countries across Europe, it's banned in Sweden. Uh, you can still buy it freely in Ireland, unfortunately, and it's the active ingredient in a lot of stuff pellets. The reason it's so nasty is because it's toxic not just to the slugs and snails, but also to the predators, which are the birds and the hedgehogs, also to domestic pets, dogs, cats, also to us humans. Um, it's, it's a very nasty chemical to be using in the garden. It shouldn't be so freely available. Please don't use that to control your silk and sales. There are loads and loads of other options. Uh, we probably don't have time in the piece today, John Paul, to go through them all, but I would direct you to, to my own Facebook page, Irish Garden, where I do have videos up on organic and environmentally sound ways of dealing with them. But that's definitely what was causing the problem on the gladiola and the dahlia. Okay, and another email that I sent on to you then, Peter, was from Anne in Upton. And this is where she attached a picture of a wedding cake tree. Now, she set this last November, but in the last few months, it seems to be looking withered and dry with black patches on some of the leaves. Now, she thinks it's been watered enough, uh, but could you give her some advice on how to improve it? Yes, I can. And I think it is probably being watered enough looking at the photographs. Yes, I can't rightly see just down to the bottom, the base of the plant. Uh, but it does look to me that there might be grass and weed growth growing around the base of it. Now, that might seem like nothing. That's actually quite a big deal. You don't want that around the base of any new tree or any new plant, certainly for the first couple of years. Because if you think about how a plant gets the water, it obviously gets it from the top, from rain or from you watering. Uh, and any weed growth like grass and that around the base of it will get that water before it gets down to the tree roots. So make sure it's perfectly clean around the base of it, first of all, because if it's not getting enough water, number one, obviously, it'll lead to drought damage, but number two, it'll weaken it and leave it more susceptible to, to getting any kind of diseases, which, I guess, uh, which I'm guessing is what this one is. It looks like a black fungal leaf spot, maybe septoria or something like that. Um, your best, if it's septoria, it's not going to actually kill the tree, but it will weaken it over years. Um, I would recommend probably just removing any infected leaves. I was going to say the stems, but you're probably okay. But remove any infected leaves. Don't leave them around the base of the plant. Throw them, throw them out. Uh, it, drench the plant then and the soil around it with a, a solution of copper sulfate and water, which is a good broad-spectrum organic fungicide. I'm always talking about it on this program, John Paul, uh, and it's, go- it's a good preventative for a lot of these fungal infections. Then feed it. Use the nature-safe um, Atlantic seaweed feed, which is a very good organic Irish 
general purpose feed and that will increase the overall vigour of the plant uh, and I think you're going to be okay I think it's going to be okay Okay, a text here from John and he's asking Peter, when should I cut back the foliage of my peonies and lilies that they have finished flowering any advice on that? I wouldn't be in any mad rush to. I mean you can clean them up now if they're if, they're, if the peonies anyway if, they're, if there's any untidy leaves or they're falling around a bit you can trim them back but I would leave most of the greenery on until it completes its life cycle so the peony is um herbaceous perennial, John Paul. Now, I know you probably knew that. but it, I did. I think now, Peter, you need to bring myself and Dahi O'Shea on some gardening course at this stage. I I've, seen, I've seen you with Dahi and I've, I'd be watching him kind of going myself. No, and Dahi are in the same frame when it comes to the gardening. Yeah, I would bring you on a tour of the gardens of Ireland, yeah. Um, so, what that means is quite simply, herbaceous just means a plant that's going to die back for the winter and perennial means one that comes that will come on each year. So herbaceous perennial, it's a, it's, a, it's a term for us gardeners to sound good about ourselves, but basically it just means the plant that dies back for the winter and will come on again next year. So it's far better to leave that greenery die off naturally, uh, which will probably be kind of September, October time. When it does, then you can cut it back to clean it up. Uh, but before then, there's no need to, as I say, if you want to for a bit of tidiness, do, but don't remove all of it. The lily is slightly different then. So the lily is a bulb. Uh, so in the same, you treat it in the same way as you would an early spring flowering bulb, like a daffodil or a tulip. So when the flower is gone, uh, and when the foliage now will start to go kind of straw-coloured and brown. And when all, all that foliage is, is sending all the chlorophyll and food reserves back into the bulb for growth next year. So you don't want to remove it when it's green because then it won't have that food reserve for next year. So leave it go brown and when it's gone brown, then you can remove it completely and throw it into the compost bin. But wait, wait until then. Okay, Kitty is in Drummond League, Peter. Now her rhubarb is very bad again this year. She gave it manure, but it didn't really help it. So does rhubarb need to be planted in where we'll get the full sunlight? It would want a good bit of sunlight. It wouldn't necessarily have to be full full sun, but it would cer- it would certainly wouldn't thrive in shade. No, so if it's a shady area, I'd say that's the problem. If it was manure, they are they do benefit well from a good mulching of manure over the winter. If it's a couple of years now and it's not doing well, I'd recommend lifting it in the autumn, uh, early winter. Lift it, divide the the, the the rhubarb stools into individual stools, and then replant them out straight away. It might just be that the plant has got overly congested and is lacking a bit of vigour. So if it's been several years since it was planted or last divided, then I would suggest lifting it now, kind of October time, divide it and replant it. Okay, Ita is living in East Cork. She wants to know what time is correct to plant shamrock and can it be planted in pots or does it need to go into the ground? No, it can of course be grown in pots. The right time to, to do it is whenever you get it really. Uh, if you have a bit growing in your lawn, dig it up, plant it into a pot, it'll do fine. In terms of sourcing it in a garden centre, you'd never see it available until of course the 1st of March when they will have potfuls of it uh, for the month running up to Paddy's Day. Um, or Patrick's Day because I know a lot of people <laughs> don't like it being called Paddy's Day um, so you'll get it in garden centres end of February early March but if you if you, if, you know just let me let me qualify this by saying it's illegal to remove any plant from the wild so I wouldn't recommend you lift it from a ditch or anything but if you have some growing in your own lawn you could certainly lift it but now, if you're lifting it out of the ground don't do that now do that in October November time and put it into a pot uh, and it should come on fine for you you can probably get shamrock seed but on saying that I remember I think on with Patricia yourself once John Paul somebody was on looking to see where we get shamrock seed and I don't know where you get them but I would say a good Google search would probably throw up some seeds for you and if you're sowing them you could sow them at this time of year Okay and Michael he's in Liam Lara now he's growing courgettes they are rotting though from the flowering tip he wants to know what's causing this That's a, that's a, um, what's called to remember the name of Blossom End Wilson, I think it's probably what it is. It's another fungal infection. Um, nothing you can do, obviously, with the ones that are rotting already. 
And in fact, probably the plant itself is probably too far affected at this stage. But my, what I would say is, if it's just one of the plants, and if you have more, I would remove it. If they all seem to have it, or if you just have one or two plants of it, I would cut back anything that is already showing signs of rot, remove a lot of the foliage. Fungal infections like this thrive, jump all in areas of poor air circulation. And, and courgettes and plants like that, they produce lots and lots of leafy growth. Uh, and it gets very, very congested. And then, of course, there, there's poor air circulation then around the plants, and it's warm and it's damp, and we've had a particularly damp month. Um, so these are conditions ideal for the development of fungal problems like that that could well be causing it. Uh, without seeing it, it's impossible to say for certain, but it's something along those lines anyway. All right. Anne is in Newmarket. Now, she has some blueberry plants in containers. Now, they're very, they are a few years old, but she's replanted them in the spring, but they produced very few berries this year. So why is that? It should be, it should be the opposite. I would say, I'm going to kind of pardon the pun now, but hedge my bets and say that it's probably just a year of setting in because they should thrive in, in if they're doing well in pots, they should do better even in the open ground, provided, uh, of course, there's nothing to say, I'm afraid, that there's, the soil pH in your pot is the same as the soil pH in the garden uh, because the pot probably came from a bag of garden centre compost. So uh, blueberries do like uh, a, pH, a low pH, which is a soil, an acid kind of a soil. So neutral or acid, so ideally 6 to 7 is what they like in pH. If they're not getting that, that would lead to the plant not thriving and not fruiting as well as it should be. Also, um, they, they don't like full sun. They like kind of semi-shade and they like to be kept quite moist. Um, but I'm guessing she probably knows all that if they were doing well in Potsburg. So, but if it's gone into a situation where it's overly windy, it's the wrong pH, uh, it's too much or too little sun, they could all have an impact on it. But if it's none of those things, I would say, go back to my original thing, it could well be just a case that they're, they're settling in over the next 12 months. And Mary uh, has, for two years, she says, she's had mushrooms in her garden. Now, they are pink and black in colour. Uh, but she's asking, are they OK to eat? Ah, like I'm not going to answer that one on the radio. <laughs> I don't know without seeing it. And, and mushrooms, you have to be so, so careful. With Very careful. Fungus. Uh, it's certainly not something I'd even attempt to answer on the radio. Um, if you want to take pictures and send them in to me, uh, I'm still not going to give you a definite answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on to people who can give you a definite answer. Uh, I would just be very, very careful on, on telling anybody what they could or couldn't eat when it comes to fungi. Yeah, very careful with those, all right, just in case. Uh, you can email them into us if you wish, uh, Mary, to jp at c103.ie and we'll pass those on to Peter. Eileen is in Clonakilty. She wants to know how and when do I prune lavender? Lavender is one of these plants that needs to be regular, regularly pruned. I would say most plants, John Paul, are... are, are Provided you put the right plant in the right place, they tend to be low maintenance. The maintenance often comes by us gardeners putting the wrong plants in the wrong place. We need to cut back too often. Lavender is one of the exceptions to the rule. I think lavender does need to be cut back regularly. If not, it tends to get leggy and woody. And it's native to, to the hotter climates where it's growing in very sandy, very free-draining soils. We bring them over here to Ireland. They're grown in pots full of compost into gorgeously prepared soil lots and lots of water and plant food. It just, it outgrows itself. It gets very, very woody and leggy. So um, the textbook, if you like, would tell you cut it back after flowering. But that's quite difficult because it flowers for such a long period. My advice would be slightly different. I would cut it back two or three times in the year because if you leave it get too out of control and cut it back hard into the woody growth, it'll just die in you. So you need to prevent that happening in the first place. And to do that, it needs regular trimming. So I would trim mine kind of at the start of March and I, deliberately use the word trim, I would never hard prune lavender. So trim it in the start of March. And around about now, depending, it'll vary in different gardens, when your first flush of flowers is going over, 
I would trim it now like, then again. So you, you kind of go down into the plant, follow the flower stem down to where it meets the foliage, and then go a couple of inches into the foliage, removing that top couple of inches of, of foliage and the dead flower stems. And so I would prune it then. You will get a second flush. What you will find is by doing it now, you are also removing some flower buds which haven't started yet. Don't worry too much about that. It will produce new ones. You will get a second flush. And by the time that flush is finished, which will probably be around September, I would trim it back again. So it's about two or three times a year I would be, be at it. And Aline has a second question here in Clonakilty. She has a Brita in her flower yeah. box. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I'm learning. Uh, anyhow, um, I know you're very proud. Anyhow, flowering <laughs> lovely, she says, until a few weeks ago. But the flowering has stopped and the plants seem to be yellowing. Why is that? Okay, well, the flowering stop. Uh, Aubrecia is a plant that flowers. It's a spring and early summer flowering. So the fact that the flowering has stopped is totally, totally natural. If it's yellowing, did you say it's in a pot, John Paul? You did. Uh, it is in a flower box. Yeah, it is. Flower box, yeah. I would say it's most likely just drying out or maybe it's got getting too big for the flower box. It's a, it's a perennial, so it's an alpine rockery plant, so it gives great spring display. But it's not like plants that we would normally use in the flower boxes, which would be annuals, like petunias, geraniums, things like that. Um so the, the Aubrecia will need to probably come out and go into a pot all in its own or go into the open ground or a rockery if you have such a thing uh, where it'll have a bit more root room. Um, but I would say, if failing that, if you want to keep it in the flower box, you can, of course, but just make sure you're watering it enough. I wouldn't be too worried. If it's just a bit yellow, I wouldn't be too worried at all. And the fact that the flowers are gone is totally natural for time of the year. OK, and in under 30 seconds, uh, hi, Peter. Quinn, could I slip a honeysuckle plant and try rooting same, if you can answer that? In under 30 seconds, this yeah. time of the year. So July, August, take about four inches of the, the from the tip of the growth. Remove the what we call the terminal bud, which is the very top bud of leaves. Remove that about four inches cut at a node which is where the leaf meets the stem leave about two leaves on your cutting about four to six inches into a bit of rooting powder into a bit of compost and it should root away quite easily at this time of the year well done Peter thank you for that we'll chat to you next week <laughs> Here's John Paul, and thanks. you can check oh, anything and, else and oh, very, on, very, yeah. quick, very quickly yep, sorry, yep. I heard you mention that Trish was ill so just sending her my best wishes hope all is okay she is and she's back tomorrow she'll be back now. oh perfect she's back Great. tomorrow so all is okay uh, but thanks. thank you for that Peter and we'll chat to you next week anything else you want from Peter there you can check it out on his Facebook and Instagram that's the Irish Gardener on Facebook and indeed on Instagram and we did ask you yesterday with a lot of talk about face masks and should we be wearing face masks in shops on our Instagram stories we had a poll on C103 on Instagram and we did ask you should face masks be compulsory in shops and 72% of people feel yes they should be Uh, 28% said no so the majority feel that face masks should be compulsory in shops this is C103 a lot of comments have come in in the last 30 minutes we'll bring you those tomorrow morning on the show from 10am when Patricia Messenger returns Patricia's back with us tomorrow morning from 10 my thanks to Bernie and Sadie answering your comments and calls this morning I'm John Paul McNamara enjoy your Wednesday afternoon Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.